Welcome to this podcast of the Graziadio Business Review. This is Audra Quinn, Managing Editor of the GBR, and I'm here today with Brandon Carr, JD, who is an associate at Valley Makoff LLP, which specializes in commercial and intellectual property. Thanks for joining us today, Brandon. Uh, thank you for having me, Audra. Yeah. So along with David Scalise and Alexa Koenig, Brandon is the co-author of Protecting Descriptive Brands in Trademark and Trade Dress Law, Why It's Important and How to Do It. Um, this article discusses various routes to proving that your descriptive brand has acquired secondary meaning should the need arise. And for listeners, you can find this article in Volume 14, Issue 3 of the Grazi Dio Business Review at gbr.pepperdine.edu. So let's learn a little bit more about this. For listeners who haven't tuned into the previous two podcasts, um, can you kind of explain what secondary meaning is? Sure, Audra. Well, in the simplest sense, secondary meaning means brand recognition. Businesses invest millions of dollars each year using their name and image. The last thing they want is to have their brand and identity stolen by another company. Other three articles explain there are certain kinds of trademarks that are not immediately protectable. A trademark is just the words, names, symbols, and designs used to distinguish the goods of one manufacturer from those of another. Mm-hmm. The more descriptive and the less inherently distinctive the word, symbol, or trade dress, the greater the quantity and quality of evidence of secondary meaning must be to prove the level of distinctiveness necessary to achieve trademark, service mark, or even trade dress status. Secondary meaning exists when a term that otherwise describes a product has become so affiliated with a specific product's maker that it's taken on a secondary meaning. Yeah, very interesting. So what are the ways in which you can, you can prove that your brand has acquired secondary meaning? Sure. Well, as our article points out, there are generally two ways to acquire secondary meaning. Uh, first, if a term or image is used exclusively and continuously for five years, and second, if evidence demonstrates that the term or phrase has become uniquely associated with a particular company. Such evidence can include direct consumer testimony or survey evidence, uh, records that demonstrate the exclusivity and length of a use of a term or image, uh, the amount and manner of advertising, the amount of sales, number of consumers, uh, the term or images established place in the market, or even proof of intentional copying by a defendant. Mm. I imagine that's difficult to prove sometimes, but... <laughs> it can be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in the article, you discuss uh, and provide a few examples of companies that have been successful in their case for secondary meaning and then some that were not. Can you give our listeners a few of the more interesting examples? Of course, Audra. Well, in our third article, we cite to a famous case involving the Miller Brewing Company. Uh, Miller sought protection for uh, the mark Light, L-I-T-E, and Light, L-I-G-H-T, Even though Miller tried to rely on these trademark registrations to establish the mark's distinctiveness, they did not succeed because Light described what the product was, not Mm -hmm. who had produced it, and therefore it couldn't function or be protected as a trademark. So when the term is found to be generic, even secondary meaning cannot help you. However, other companies have been more successful. For example, Chapstick is a registered descriptive trademark. And the numerous, you know, trademark filings for Chapstick are accompanied by distinct marketing efforts to gain public recognition for secondary meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. So Chapstick is a brand name, but it does describe exactly what what the product is, and but yet it has developed the secondary meaning. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. So obviously this can be very complicated. Um, how did you even get interested in this topic or what possessed you to want to tackle this in a three-part series for the GBR? Well, there's so many entrepreneurs and business-minded people in the world that already you know, own or desperately want to start a new company. And if I only had maybe four or five minutes to talk to, talk to each entrepreneur, I, I would argue the most valuable use of the time would be on trademark law and secondary meaning. That's because, you know, a company's worthless if its brand is not protected. So, mm -hmm. I mean, imagine spending millions of dollars to develop a brand and advertise to later find out that someone has legally appropriated the name or identity. Entrepreneurs need this kind of valuable information to ensure that their company is safeguarded and ultimately untouchable. And, you know, mm -hmm. our goal was to take a very complicated but important areas of the law and break it down into a simple and easy to understand uh, article. Mm -hmm. Great. And I should mention to, to listeners that all three of the articles are available at gbr.pepperdine.edu. Um, so finally, I thought maybe you could leave us with some of the most important takeaways for these potential business owners when they, when they go about trying to come up with a good name. Sure. Well, I think I have three simple but important takeaways for all your readers. And the first is, make your mark and dress as distinct as possible. And what I mean is, use arbitrary and fanciful terms that convey no apparent meaning. Consider suggestive terms that require the consumer to engage in a mental process of association. Mm. Second, use colors and shapes that are not expected or related to the industry. That is, you know, use a bird or an amorphous shape to represent a car company instead of just a picture of a car. And right. third and lastly, I guess I would say, just be prepared. That is, just be sure to generate sufficient evidence to demonstrate that your brand uniquely qualifies and identifies your company. Uh, courts will consider many factors, including the extent of advertising and the length of use, customer surveys, and, you know, even customer testimony. So it's really mm -hmm. important to have that ready. Yeah, that's invaluable advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brandon. It's been great having you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And for listeners, be sure to check out the full-length article, Protecting Descriptive Brands in Trademark and Trade Dress Law, Why It's Important and How to Do It, at gbr.pepperdine.edu. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast of the Grazia Dio Business Review.